0: If you're not part of the conversation or willing to be part of the journey, then then why should we listen to you when you want to talk about it at a key time?
1: Warning, this podcast may include hard-hitting truths, shocking revelations, and outrageous social secrets. You won't see your life in the same light after this, but if you're ready to face the reality of an always online world, keep listening. This week on the Social Minds podcast, we were joined by Rich Johnson, who is the head of sports here at the Social Chain Group. Uh, We wanted to find out from him how Brands should be looking to engage the next generation of sports fans.
2: Yeah, Rich is a massive football fan, a massive Blackburn fan, but he's a fan of all sports and he uh, pays a lot of attention to what's going on in, say, Formula One and golf. So we sort of sat down, grilled him about the the way that Brands are sort of lashing onto causes and using emotion and who's doing it well, who's not doing it so well. So it's a really, really interesting talk. Um, I'm about to do a bit of a football pun. Basically, can you help us score a goal and get in the back of the net by leaving a review on, say, iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and have the capability to do so because it's a massive help still. Um, And we'd love to know what you think of the podcast so far. Thank you. You are obviously a massive Blackburn Rovers fan, but you're also a massive sports fan of all sports, I think it's fair to say. What would you say it means to be a fan fan? in 2018 today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't like the, uh, the Blackburn fandom uh, (laughs) influence, uh, any, anything I'm going to say. Yeah. I think it's never, I think we all know it's never been easier to be a a sports fan. Mm -hmm. um, Mm You know, these days, I think the availability to be able to consume and engage on your terms with any sport that you want, you know, because of the power of social, uh, fundamentally, um, you know, has never been easier. So, you know, whether that's football, where, you know, for the past 60, 70 years, people have always been able to to watch uh, decent amounts of football with match of the day or the introduction Mm -hmm. of live broadcasting and that sort of stuff, um, to, you know, now more niche sports, you know, that traditionally people might be watching on you know table tennis on Transworld sport or something mm-hmm. um you know actually now people can watch live broadcasts of that through uh through facebook um and that's not unusual or new now um it means that actually it's never been easier yeah to be a to be a sports fan
2: It's funny that you say that Transworld sport as I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening will will remember as well I remember it used to be up at like four in the morning to watch it on like yeah. Channel five <laughs> and it was all these. Like Norwegian handball and all these obscure sports that are going on. But yeah. you're right now. You, now you sort of watch them on Facebook Live or or wherever you want to watch them, and it's it's broken down that barrier. I suppose is that what you're saying? That, yeah, that sort of absolutely. To, to yeah,
0: I, I think it's 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 nice now that yeah, I think it's it's you know you can find sports like this that are more acceptable. I mean, ultimately we know that there's key sports that dominate conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but now we're looking at baseball coming to UK and Europe for the first time um, ever um, playing the game in the London series next year. And what that's going to mean now is, is that people who may have had just a mild interest in it, maybe like a cultural interest can, uh, can really actually consume that sport in the terms that we're familiar with in in the UK and Europe. So it's pretty cool.
2: And we're, we are obviously massively reaping the benefits of all this change at the moment. And um, I mean personally speaking my sort of knowledge of, of sport has become way more broad and diverse with social and stuff we've also got this huge market of brands and sponsorship and sponsorships that have always sort of been there um, you know we associate Heineken with the Champions League and whatnot and, and so on and so forth what opportunities are opening up for these brands to sort of cozy up with uh, sports in a digital world because I think you've got a stat haven't you about how um, fans are actually, say that they welcome sponsorship if it was sort of fan-led in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that was a, a, a sort of interesting study I was reading recently, I think it was like Momentum Worldwide did it and it was, yeah, 80, 86% of, uh, of, of fans aren't, uh, aren't necessarily adverse to more sponsorship within the game. I think people understand now that it's part and parcel of um, the way that things are going mm-hmm. and you know, more money in the game, arguably should mean that their club or, uh, you know, for
2: example, can invest in better players. It yeah. used to be a bit of a dirty yeah. word, didn't yeah, it? Really. It did. like, a lot of you're flooding the, you know, the Premier League with money and you've got all these Galacticos and all the rest of it. Yeah.
0: I think ultimately now, yeah, that's something that fans talk about. It's like, yeah. oh well, we've signed a certain deal. So the, the thing is that they now expect that to be reinvested within the team. Mm. You right. You know. So right. yeah, that's a big expectation, I think, and been a frustration of many a club over many years, I think. But yeah, that's it. so, you know, fans are are not adverse to having more sponsors in the game, But it was 83% um, of fans actually um, didn't think that the sponsors cared about them. Really? Which is really interesting because, so, you know, I love, I'm very passionate about sponsorship, love sponsorship. You know, that's what I did at Manchester United and very lucky to sort of start my career doing that and then uh, moved on to New Balance and was sort of on the more on the brand side of things versus rights holders. Now I'm lucky that I get to get involved in conversations, but you know, as an agency and mm. publisher. Um, but when you're you know, sat and we're strategizing sponsorship, that's usually the starting point for most sponsorships is, okay, well, we wanna to talk to the fans. Mm. Mm. You know, that makes so much sense because that's what the essence of sport and what makes it so great is it's competition, but ultimately it's built on passions and emotions. And that's something that fans mm. obviously have an abundance, you know, Some of the people who are most supercharged when it comes to passion and emotion of the players on the pitch or field or whatever game it is, that makes sense because they're the athletes, they're the ones sort of doing the job. Mm. But then outside of that, it's the fans that drive the sports and drive them forward. So for, um, essentially for sponsors not to be engaging with fans, at least fans think that, that's a big problem, Mm. you know, because that's the, that's the starting point. That should be the first thing that you're trying to that you're trying to tick yeah, off. Yeah,
1: it's like marketing anything else, really, isn't it? You start with the audience, surely. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. And and you know, I think we're seeing a big shift change now. And this has been sort of talked about for a number of years. You know, because I think people were, you know, a lot of people in the industry are still saying, right, you know, it's not just about logo on the shirt now. You know, it's not just about the logo on the digiboards boards that go around the screen. It's it's like what else are you bring into it. And although that's been talked about like so much, it's still doesn't necessarily happen um, as much as it should, or at least maybe the, maybe the Marcoms around it isn't as effective as it should be in my view. You know, so I think, you know, kind of summarizing that, it's, it's you know, in the past, there's been this relevance through sponsorship, through association with the mm-hmm. club. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now, you know, what we're seeing and particularly in terms of some of the research that I've been trying to do on new generation, uh, uh, audiences and fans is that they want uh, and brands should strive for relevance through, um, you know, a, a meaningful cause and a real um, reason to be associated with um, with a certain club um, or, you know, uh, entity.
1: So for fans these days, a logo on a shirt isn't enough anymore? Well,
0: oh yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, yeah, As much as that's a great tick box because we're getting x many millions of pounds each year um i think there's so much more that can be done and i think when you see it you know done right it's it's really great and it can be super effective um but yeah i think still we see it done wrong in a number of ways
2: and and obviously you'll you'll know us millennials and gen Zs and and what have you as being a a fickle bunch you could say at times also older fans and particularly when it comes to the conversation around cause marketing yeah is, is what so what you know piggybacking onto a cause uh to you know spread exposure or or whatever and sometimes it works well sometimes it works it doesn't work yeah well what what you have you got a few examples of times that it hasn't worked well especially over the last few years in you have seen i think like I think that's exactly it. i mean you know
0: my view on how we should be um engaging with next gen fans mm. is, um, and this is, you know, through sponsorship, but I think also a lot of applications to social, you know, what we do and always what we're thinking about is so uh, so much social focus. So a lot of these learnings are so applicable across kind of both areas, but, you know, so I've, I've been thinking about it in three ways, um, you know, developing meaningful, you know, kind of brand connections and, and, and engagements, um, you know, again, so important and that should, always be the starting point um, for how you're engaging with fans. Um, You know, looking at things around the experience economy, you know, we know with millennials and, and, you know, Gen Z or Next Gen, um, they value that over um, perhaps material goods. And again, that's backed by evidence, but I think we see it in terms of the Instagram culture. Um, And then, yeah, more cause-based marketing. So really like kind of backing a key cause. Um, I think... Yeah, I think there's some really good examples of it done well and perhaps done not so well. I think I think you're right, fans are a really fickle bunch and they see through it. And I think one thing that they do really see through is when brands maybe just jump on something for a moment in time. Mm. They're not, not authentic. Yeah, not authentic. And, you know, they're not part of, why. you know, if you're not part of the conversation or willing to be part of the journey, then then why should we listen to you when you want to talk about it at a key time? Yeah. I think of one of the examples that, you know, I consider, again, not, great in this area and it was quite, just before the World Cup, it got a lot of press coverage was, um, you know, Mastercard, they're not an official World Cup sponsor, but that's okay. That's the, you know, not many people can afford to be, and they already sponsored the Champions League. So they're obviously finding ways to cut through. So, uh, they said, right, we're going to give away 10,000 meals. Um, you know, every time Neymar or Messi score a goal, Uh, 10,000 meals to, um, you know, underprivileged kids in poverty and that sort of stuff. And instantly, you know, you saw it and everyone, it was shared around the office and I was like, oh. Do
1: you know what that reminds me of? (laughs) There was sort of a wave of tweets a couple of months ago. People faced backlash for a similar reason where it was like 10,000 retweets and I'll donate this much to charity. And people were like, if you want to donate to charity, just do it. Exactly. Why do you need the vanity metric to sit mm. alongside it? Like yeah. because it's obvious that you're trying to gain something from it. it's the only reason it's happening.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think like the, the, there's a couple of things about that, that 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 really annoyed me. I mean, not just that it was distasteful because of that reason, mm. um, because it is. You know, we're gonna base what we do on these two players, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two people who clearly need it. Yeah, it's like um, the hungry
1: kids only get food if they score. So come on, lads.
0: Yeah, I know. Really, really mad. Uh, but then also, you know, it's like they just jumped into it, you know, at that moment, it was like, this is how we're going to be part of the World Cup. Mm. Great. Like, everyone should, should should really respect that. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Like, what? 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 That doesn't yeah. make sense. You know, you, you're you just trying to be part of this moment and, mm. and mm. you know, maybe build it, build up to it, you know, tell a story, tell a journey, don't the, the fundamental basics of it, um, basics of the campaign was problematic, but, mm-hmm. you know, at least try and tell, tell that story a little bit more. Um, I think the good example was a similar thing, but just in a ni- slightly nicer spin, which was that auto trader and the way that they really backed the England team. So they said, we're going to give away a car every time England score, but you know, again, the same mechanic as such, but just slightly different. It was saying, we're really, we believe in the team. We're mm. back in the team. They even made jokes out of it when we beat Panama 6-1 because they were like, you know, again on Twitter saying, oh, our finance, <laughs> you know, director's going to be gutted. He's like, "Because <laughs> telling us away to cars. pull the campaigns. <laughs> yeah, they are giving away hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of cars. Um But that gave them personality and tone and it really gave people a reason to go, oh, you know what? Like, auto trader they're part of this experience. Yeah. You know, they are part of this mm. countrywide experience. And then they ended up putting on the, um, the, the live showing of, it, of the yeah. England Croatia game, yeah. 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 which no one else was willing to do. And again, that just really showed, I think they got caught up in it so much and was like, right, we're, you know, we're part of this. Um, so that was great. Really nice example. And that's what
1: happens organically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Alan, I think hats off to them because they, they really got that right. Um.
2: Although they probably spent a lot of money on cars, yeah, probably. <laughs> and that, and that for the brand is obviously exposure for the fans. Uh, what you're talking about is there's now that symbiotic relationship. And you and you look for stuff like this, and you think, right, this this uh, brand is helping me to be a fan. Essentially, it seems. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a bit like N- the next time England games are coming round,
0: you know, Auto to getting involved in that conversation, I don't think will seem so unusual. No. Because yeah. they managed to get it quite right. Well, so. fans
1: will sort of remember all, like, the good vibes around the last time and be like, well, oh, they helped to enhance um, that experience yeah, for them yeah, the definitely. last time around. So next time, like, they maybe look forward to seeing what they do next, if anything.
0: Yeah. I think um we saw a few years ago as well, a really nice example where, like, you know, there was a reason for meaning in a sponsorship. It was, like, um sort of Virgin. They uh, partnered up with Football Sports Federation who were campaigning that, you know, £20 was... The maximum you should be paying for an away ticket, because you know, away fans who are the most dedicated fans were just getting fleeced left, right, and center. Mm. Um, and you know, they subsidise those tickets for a season. It's a really nice cause. You know, that's actually given a direct impact back to the most dedicated football fans in the country. Yeah. Um and again, it's it's like, I don't know, again, I'm sure it costs them a lot of money. But but, you know, anyway, the 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 traditional ratio of what you should spend on a sponsorship, um, and then activate it is two to one mm-hmm. that's in the past now they're saying it's it's reached three to one for the first time um so you know when you consider it doesn't always happen you know if you're sponsoring Manchester united for 20 million pounds a year are you going to spend 40 million pounds activation probably not mm. but you know yeah. <laughs> but again that's a, you know it's it's obviously people spend a huge and you've got to spend huge amounts of money to activate them effectively so even when you take something like that where the cost to entry was probably quite low for virgin um the cost to activate was probably a lot higher but um you know i'm sure the impact or i hope the impact they saw of that was really beneficial for them as a brand
1: with um just curious with obviously such a high cost does this limit um these kind of opportunities to smaller brands in a way or is it only like big label brands that can realistically get involved.
0: Depends what scale you're going at. I think, you know, I think again, you take someone like, uh, auto trader who, um, you know, are obviously already a well-known brand within the UK because of the service that they offer, but you know, they didn't have to be an official sponsor to be able to engage with fans. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. they don't have, they don't have to do that. We prime example, you know, self plug and promotion, but, <laughs> um, you know, full-time devils, part of our publishing network and the, all, all our, publishers, you know, sport from the football public, you know, we engage with fans effectively. That means that the barriers to entry are lower than the more traditional routes that used to exist. And this is the same for all sports publishers Mm. these days. Mm. Um, yeah. So full-time devils, number one, Manchester United fan channel, the place to go to engage with, uh, you know, a Manchester United community on social outside of United, you know, that is so highly engaged that it's fantastic place where, where you know, kind of brands can get involved. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, to answer your question, it, it can mean, yes, in some senses it can be much higher, but also in many occasions, and if you're smart and if you define, if you're defining the audience that you want to target, you can always look elsewhere.
2: So right now the focus is, is on this, this uh, it, it feels like these things come in stages. So we had the sort of uh, gag economy, I suppose you could call it, where you had stuff like... Uh, Coral betting company putting a taxi outside Stanford Bridge a few mm-hmm. years ago. Taxi for Dimatteo and Paddy Power have done umpteen funny things. Now we've got this focus on meaningful engagement. What you're talking about and cause marketing, rich and stuff like that. What is the next? Like to look into your crystal ball for a second. What's the next sort of evolution of that? Do you think? Because because by the time these the the, the fans were say five years old and 10 years old now, by the time they come to be engaging with these brands, when, I don't know, when you, I suppose when you reach your late teens and you're a mm-hmm. student or, or you are you're actually have enough money to go to games, how do you think we start reaching those? In terms of what I really believe that's, you know, has been lacking a little bit in the past and that
0: certainly for us and our approach, and that's through uh, the publishers that we own and also some of the approach to, you know, um, work that we do as an agency, you You're really doubling down and focusing on emotion mm. and mm-hmm. not in like a not overcomplicating it, you know. I think like and not saying it more than it is, but you know, like I said before, fans and sports at its very essence is, you know, really developed in emotion. Yeah, it might be, you know, joy and entertainment, ideally most of the time, maybe not for a Blackburn fan or a Sunderland oh. fan <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or an Arsenal or an fan. fan that, yeah? <laughs> um you know, but yeah, it could be sadness at other times. There could be, uh, you know, obviously tension and uh, you know, all these kind of range of, of different emotions and feelings that you can have around sport, focusing on that and essentially looking at, you know, for us, when we're looking at a piece of content or campaigns, um, how we approach a new season, it's going, what emotion is this actually pulling out, you know? Mm. And if we're not doing that, then are we really talking to sports fans? Yeah, mm. You know, then they, they, they're passive in a sense, but you know, fans are, and, and maybe when it comes to content and sponsorship, it, it can be oversaturated at times. Mm. But if you pull out and talk to key emotions, then that's the fundamental thing. That's what gets people excited and Mm. and you know me as a sports fan that's is definitely a personal opinion but you know i'm going to pay attention to something if it triggers an emotion Mm. yeah i think that's got a lot of parallels within social as well you know how how we as an agency you know you guys do a great job with our internal marketing but make people stop you know stop Mm. scrolling and go huh yeah
1: i even think like like when it's done well it can make people who weren't necessarily the biggest sports fans in the world it can turn them into fans yeah. if um, if they're getting that sort of uh, yeah. all the time like look at what happened with the World Cup or yeah. that It's Coming Home yeah. stuff it like I've, I've, that, I've never I? seen yeah. that many people who don't normally care or watch football yeah. um, get so into it just Absolutely. because of what was going on on Twitter yeah
0: well it was yeah I think it goes without saying everyone was excited yeah. everyone was getting you know the hair stand up on the back of their neck I, um, just think about it now I'm like oh yeah I know uh, should have come home <laughs> <Unless> but it- <laughs> yeah um but yeah I think there's so many examples of that you know where you know people can go to sport you know I'm not a huge uh, yeah cricket fan as a as a mm. as a sport that I would constantly consume but you know went seeing England In- India 2020 actually during the World Cup and you know you come out of it just energized because of what's going on, you know, it's not just on the pitch, but it's off it. And that's because you've got this, um, you know, overload of senses and emotions around it. Um, and, you know, the group I was with, which i my girlfriend, a few other friends, and it's like, you know, everyone felt it. So, um, you know, for me, that's a really key thing um, that I think is important in engaging with next generation. Again, just thinking about emotions, if it's kids, you want it to be joy, don't you? You want them mm-hmm. to be constantly feeling joy about the game and uh, whatever game it is. Perfect example. Again, this is a uh, and a bit of a shameless plug, but the um, Sky Bet piece that we did mm-hmm. few years oh, ago, which was yeah. uh, framed agony and ecstasy, and for um, you know people who may not have watched it, you know the hero piece within that, um, which was essentially looking at uh, groups of fans when it comes to the um, championship. Um, playoffs, uh, which was 16, 17 now, wasn't it? I think Mm -hmm. championship Mm -hmm. playoffs and playoff final, the most uh, valuable game in world football. And also, you know, for any fan, you just want to get to the premier league. Yeah. Huddersfield, Reading, if you remember the hero piece was a split screen, super simple, didn't need anything else. The Huddersfield fan on the left, the Reading fan on the right, and just showing them watching the penalty shootout. I like for me that, that really struck a chord with me because I was like, anyone could watch that and know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And also it, mm-hmm. it evokes an emotion. Mm-hmm. So for some people it's gonna be like tension because you got, oh, these guys are literally um, feeling everything as they watch mm-hmm. this. Um, and it was a great penalty shootout cause you know, Huddersfield, Scored, then Reading scored a couple and had one, and Huddersfield had one save, so they were up. And then Huddersfield brought it back again and ended up getting promoted. But yeah, so for some, it was huge tension, for some, it'll be entertaining and joy. And when I watch it, it makes the brings out goosebumps, you know, because Mm -hmm. you think, oh, what these guys are going through. And then for many people, for Reading fans, it's sadness, yeah. And um, so for me, that is the ultimate i think in terms of how we are able to really get across what sports means but in its simplest form um based on emotion so yeah i'm quite like passionate about making ah. sure that everything we do we are we are triggering something and yeah.
2: al- and also with that you you, you mentioned that emotion and I've, i feel like we really hit gold with this because uh especially talking to you i think we quickly established that Although Adidas, I think, were the main sponsors of the World mm-hmm. Cup, we very quickly found out that Nike had kind of won the World Cup. Even people who didn't know that Nike, uh, people thought that Nike were, say, an official sponsor mm-hmm. of the World Cup through the stuff they were doing with England, through France, through Croatia, this whole idea of belief. Yeah. And yeah. I remember, I watched the video, after, as soon as France won the World Cup, I watched the video about, oh, it wasn't won uh, here it was one, you know, on the main streets of Paris, in these places, in Montmartre, on all of this, and it was, yeah, uh...
0: yeah. Uh, no, I think you're right. I mean, there's a few ways. I'd love what Nike did around the around the uh, World Cup. It was different, you know. Usually, they have this like showcase advert mm. that everyone can't wait for. And it drops just before the World Cup and oh my God, it's the best advert ever. And then you remember for years and you just come- 100 footballers in a cage. Yeah. All oh, place, I mean, superstars you know, everywhere. And- they, everyone goes, oh, the airport. <laughs> and yeah, the cage. And, <laughs> uh, but, you know, they did they, they, slightly different approaches here. But essentially the World Cup and when it comes to those sportswear brands, the, you know, the the two Bayamos, Adi and Nike, people are always trying to assess who won and who came out on top. There's a few ways in which people do that. Firstly, it's who's got the most teams in the World Cup and who's got the most players wearing boots. And um, I don't know in terms of players, I can't remember, but you know, it was two Nike teams who got to final this year, Um, Mm -hmm. Croatia and France, never happened before um, apparently. So that was like one tick, okay, great. But that's just on-pitch presence, which means a huge amount and which, which is, you know, a huge box, box tick internally for, for, for Nike and and, and, and Addy equally. And then the other one is who won it, you know, off the pitch, who won it in like kind of the truest marketing sense, which obviously, um, you know, people do studies before and after, um, you know, on surveys, who do you think was the official World Cup sponsor? Mm. Um, and you know, people always do this and you've got to take them with a pinch of salt because You know, ultimately it might just be about who spent the most amount of money in the places where Mm. you were exposed to it. Um, But I really think Nike got it right. And again, this is just personal opinion. I think Nike got it right in the World Cup. Adidas focused on their, like, you know, creators uh, uh, campaign, which has been running for a while now. I think works in a lot of nice senses in terms of saying that, um, you know, to be an athlete, you've got to be you know, you've got to be a creator, you've got to be a creative mm. and that shows mm. in terms of the players that they have, you know, mm. they were, uh, they, they made this huge showcase piece, which featured not only just athletes, but musicians and all this sort of stuff. You know, see so a Popper were in there, you had David Beckham, mm. you had Pharrell, you had mm. uh, a whole host of other names. And for me, it was kind of nice, but it was almost just like a bit... It was a bit of a showy piece like, ah, well, these are all the endorsements that we have and this is great. And yeah, we're all coming to this festival of football in the summer. We're the official sponsor and we're here to create. I'm trying to of do
1: uh, too many things at once, maybe.
0: I, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, it wasn't like, a, you
2: know, didn't it didn't trigger an emotion with me. I think it's fair to say when it comes to football, both the rights holders and a lot of brands have got it nailed down, haven't they, really, with with their sort of marketing efforts but I'm very interested to ask you at this point about other sports as well. Mm-hmm. Cause I know whenever you talk about sports, there's always a temptation yeah. to drill down into football and um, take for instance, formula one. Mm-hmm. So formula one, I've had conversations with um, Bryony who works on the sports mm-hmm. team with you here. And uh, one of the things she was saying to me was quite interesting is that they're trying to shift this sort of image for, a bit, for it being a, it's, you know, by all means it's a very exciting sport, yeah. but as a, you know, a sport that attracts a, maybe a, a slightly stuffy audience of sort of older people with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that's almost reflected in the sponsors. You've got like Tag Heuer, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not Tag Heuer, Rolex and um, some of these, you know, the big yeah. sort of champagne companies and, and whatnot. How, what, what what, do you see? And in and, and other places as well, like golf, what do you see sports like that and the brands that work with those sports doing in future times to attract this new generation that we talk about,
0: fans. yeah. I think, I think the some of the um sports like golf and Formula One have got huge challenges in themselves, you know, just to make sure that new audiences are um aware and becoming engaged, mm. um, you know, because I think you're right, they're probably sometimes in not only just in participation when it comes to golf, but also um, in viewership, you know, maybe they're often attributed with, you know, white middle-aged males and, you know, mm. is that quite, uh, you know, insular? Yes, definitely. Um, but what I do think is interesting is I think in some of those um, not challenger sports because they're huge in their own right, but maybe some of those sports that don't get as much, you know, I guess industry airtime is something like football, you know, which, yeah, I, I'm guilty to it, you know, to, to <laughs> you just talk do, about just it too much. Hole, yeah. But, um, yeah, know, with football, there's, there's so much money and there's so much attention and awareness on it and there's such a big con- consumer base that when they do something and when they do it well or sometimes even they don't do it well, it gets so much attention. Within some of these other sports, so something like golf, for example, there's... So I think there's even more innovation that's going on, mm. arguably. Mm. Um, because there's that need to attract attention yeah, and attract new audiences. Yeah, they, they really do. And they develop really interesting concepts um and really interesting activations. So yeah, I think it's interesting. I think they 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 definitely, I'm sure they all acknowledge that there needs to be a shift and they need to reach new audiences. Um, but I think also there's times where the reason why perhaps they sometimes it doesn't get the attention that it should perhaps deserve or 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 require. I think like another example is you know in cycling, you know again some of the content within cycling is fantastic, mm, mm. really good. Like again the insights. I was watching a piece this morning of um, Team Sky and Froome's journey to do the Giro d'Italia, and and you know the access is unbelievable. People are raving at the moment because of. um you know, the Amazon documentary that's due to come out, um, tracking Man City's um, uh, title winning Premier League season last year. And you know, on. the trailer came out and it does look brilliant to be fair, but there's other people doing amazing stuff already within different sports, which gives you the level of access that's never been seen before in football. Mm. So, but again, I think it's just about making audiences aware and making audiences care. Mm. So, Formula One's an interesting one because you've had Formula E come along who have changed the game for them. And I think done done a great job of being a mixing up a sport, uh, making it competitive, making it interesting and giving fans a voice. Um, you know, and they've got a number of different ways in which Formula they've done it. Formula E, what is Formula E? So that's the, um, essentially it's taking Formula One as a sport, you know, in terms of it being... Um, you know, quick and exciting and, but it's all about electronic, all the cars are electronic or battery powered, Um, which again has like never been done before. They uh, course, the circuits aren't your traditional uh, raceway circuits. Um, You know, they're in, a lot of them are in city centers. So it's really cool. And then they do, they do lots of different things. So they've had some drivers come from, uh, uh, you know, other, other motorsports and, um, And they do different things. So so one thing that they've always tried to do, which I think they've done an okay job on, I think there's still work to be done there, but it's this fan boost, which essentially, um, you know, fans vote um, uh, before the, the race, uh days before the race, uh, to decide who should get an in in race boost. <laughs> oh, oh really? That's yeah. interesting. I like the sort yeah. of interactivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That was a big big thing about it, you know, in terms of it it allows that's allowing fans to be part of a sport yeah. from the, their armchair. Um which we Probably won't see on within football ever. (laughs) Um, Aside from uh, that, actually, there's a few few really interesting projects within football um, that I think are bringing fans a bit closer to it. Um, it You take someone like like hashtag United, Mm. which is you know Mm. a social first team. They're actually taking it to non-league now, but again, it's always been. providing this level of access to like, you know, obviously Spencer FC, but his like mates, which I think they've done such a good job on. There's also um, United London who do actually allow the fans to pick their team or help pick their team, you know, they, which again is really cool, like innovative concept, mm. but to see that at the highest level yeah. is really cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting
2: is that is, is definitely hearing you say that is that ac- that level of access that keeps fans coming back for more. And it seems like what you said with brands, these sponsorship opportunities, they provide the money to get this level of access, the Barclays adverts with Alan Shearer walking around and giving people Premier League tickets and all the rest yeah. of it. And it's the, if you could uh, sum this up into a few lines, you know, um, engage in the next generation and, the message for brands, I suppose, now with sponsorship. Uh, um, but judging on what you've said, what would you, what would you, what would you tell brands? I think um, not just trying
0: to be relevant when you when people are expecting you to be relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, focusing on a longer conversation or kind of like micro moments. Mm-hmm. You're almost mm-hmm. taking that conversation over a longer period of time. Social allows you to do that. Um, relevance through you know kind of key causes and brand messaging, not mm-hmm. just through association. Um, I would say, you know, there's so many great opportunities to really make an impact within sport. And and um, that's the way brands are gonna win. Again, tapping into key emotions. And I'd also, yeah, not just focusing on kind of vanity metrics, um, which I think has been, again, there's a bit of a shift in social, you know, engagement is so important, but engaging with fans and making a difference in terms of their consumption and viewing experience, I think, is. Super important, um, not just looking at the views and the numbers and the vanity metrics that that might just traditionally be associated within um, engaging next-gen fans or, or
2: sponsorship, actually trying to do it in the right way and make a difference. Rich, I'm going to end on a football note uh, because it seems fair since we've talked a lot about football. Your prediction for the Premier League 2018 19? Blackburn over? Well, I mean, maybe next year. Maybe
0: next year. Oh, gotta be City. Yeah, City, Liverpool second. Mm. They're going to settle into things nicely, I think. The unfortunate thing about this podcast is that someone could listen to it. (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, in a few months time and realise that I'm totally wrong but I'm sure that I don't think that'll be yeah, I don't think it's going to take a genius the, the hope, hope, hope
2: for the Gunners Champions League spot no Sorry, oh, no, <laughs> no I'm uh, gonna, uh, right cut no, we'll yeah. end it there then <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh, fabulous thank you Rich well,
0: yeah thank you yes. for coming on thanks yeah yeah
1: enjoyed this episode a like a share or a quick review will enable us to bring you hard-hitting truths and outrageous social secrets every week this has been the social minds podcast with theo eve and music by pierre flass